0: You are listening to sermons from the Ignite Leadership Conference 08. Ignite is a gathering for young leaders purposed for kingdom building and lasting conversations to take place. For more information, visit www.igniteleadership.org. Session 3, Spread, Multiplying Your Leadership, presented by Jeff Henson from The Crossing Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. this wonderfully made movie in 1984. And some of you, I'm not even sure, a lot of you probably were not born in 1984, but I hope that you have uh, really enjoyed this classic. It never received the glory and the honor that it deserves. Um, the name of this awesome movie is Gremlins. Anybody? Anybody seen it? Gremlins? Huh? A few of you? A few of you? Very nice. It's about a young man who receives a strange creature named Gizmo, and uh, as a pet, which then spawns other creatures who transform into small, destructive little animals. And uh, honestly, at that time, it was kind of an edgy, kind of sci-fi horror, horror flick. And here, here's some interesting, useless information about this film. is the voice of Gizmo was done by n- none other than our own deal or no deal, Howie Mandel was the voice of Gizmo. Yeah, fun fact, you'll never use again in your life. Uh, The executive producer of this film was Steven Spielberg. Uh, I'm not sure what year he did E.T., but uh, maybe this inspired him. I'm not sure what year that happened. (laughs) So, but here's what's crazy about it. The the video clip that we were going to show is a video clip of how these gremlins like spawn. And it starts with Gizmo. And it's a little gizmo, and he's really cute, and he's like a little fluffy bunny. And and what happens is, is you're not supposed to put water on the, I can't remember the name of it. Mogwai. Ma, wow, why do you ever know that? Uh, Mogwai. You're not supposed to put water on them or feed them after midnight. And what happens is, is a cup of water falls on little gizmo. And then the strangest thing Begins to happen. I encourage you guys to change your life to watch this movie. Uh, is that once this happens, is Gizmo? These little fur balls start popping off of him. Okay, they start popping off of him, and there's like a table full of all these little fur balls on the table. And slowly but surely, they begin to evolve and like have little eyes and little ears and they're little gizmos. And it 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 is the the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. It's like wow. This is like this is like you know. The caterpillar turning into a butterfly right before my eyes. But no, it, it's just, it's scary and it's crazy. And they go on to just wreak havoc on the city. And I mean, it's, it's murderous. It's just, oh, it's horrible. But, but what's crazy about it is that little scene there. Cause that scene of like all these little gizmo balls just flying off, cotton balls. I was, I was watching that and I was like, man, now if multiplying my leadership and replacing myself, and making an impact and giving some sort of significant contribution to God's kingdom was as easy as pouring water on someone or pouring water on myself, mind you. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. That would be easy. We could just, we could just watch gremlins the first night, last night, and we could go home. Because we could say, this is how we do it. This is how we make maximum impact in God's kingdom. We just throw some water and stuff starts happening. I wish it was that easy. I wish it was that easy to begin a movement. I wish it was that easy to make an advancement in the kingdom of God. I wish it was that easy to restore relationships, to help transform mindsets, and to be a part of redeeming creation to its original intent. You see, I believe all of us are here this weekend because there is a part of us that wants to be a part of what's happening. There's a part of us that wants to be a part of God's movement. There's a a part of us that yearns and longs to be a part of something way bigger than ourselves. We want to see the broken stories of people's lives put back together again. We want to see people discover their giftedness and their calling for their lives. We want to see the church, as we talked about earlier, shape, define, and forge into culture to lead it not to follow. We want to see the power of God and people released to create this awesome tidal wave of hope and peace and justice and love. The bottom line is we want to see God go above and beyond us to impact lives, making this eternal ripple. We want to be a part of that. I really believe that. that. That is why we're here. And that is why we serve in the ministries we serve. We, we are a part of the churches that we're a part of. We're a part of people's lives because of that very reason. It's for that kind of transformation and that kind of impact to happen. And then I read verses like this, Ephesians 4.20. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or imagine. I read verses like 1 John 4, for greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I read verses in Acts 6 1, where it says, But as the believers rapidly multiplied, the believers were like gremlins, they were rapidly multiplying, and that inspires me. I read verses like Acts 6, verse 7, where it says, wrong verse, sorry. <laughs> So verse 7 says, so God's message continued to spread. And the numbers of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem. I read verses like Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen, and 20. The Great Commission. And many, many of you know this passage, probably by heart. And it says, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We read passages like that. We get kind of stoked because you understand that this whole multiplication thing, this whole the gospel spreading, this whole advancement happened in the past. And it's happening right now. And I want to be a part of it. But my favorite verse is Matthew eleven twelve. I just love the tenacity that you get off of it. And it says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. I love that. And it, it speaks to the intensity of the gospel and the intensity of those who are going to proclaim the gospel and live it out is that the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. And we have this session, it's titled Multiplying Our Leadership. But this is kind of how we'll be framing the conversation we're going to have this evening. Is it is advancing the kingdom of Christ. It is forcefully moving. It is forcefully going to places where others will not go. It is taking the kingdom of Christ to all nations, to all people. It is releasing people into the dream that God has for them. It is empowering people to fan the flame of what God is doing in their lives. It's a fire of impact. And I think fire just gives us a a wonderful visual. And Those of you, I was in fires in San Diego uh, last fall. We went to the youth specialties conference. And... uh, yeah, we were trapped for a couple days. Um, the scariest part, honestly, was just watching how this fire how it just spread. I mean, you could be safe for one moment, but like that, it just spreads. It is taking out mountains and homes. It's just going up everywhere. But I love the visual of that. Is that for us, taking the kingdom of Christ and advancing forcefully, and it is like a fire that is spreading that cannot be contained, that is growing strength, that is defining and influencing and shaping everything that it encounters. That's what we'll be talking about this evening. That is the multiplication of our leadership that we'll be talking about. That's kind of the framework, this advancement of the gospel. Whenever I start talking about this, uh, I start moving like I am right now because it excites me. It inspires me that I get to be a part of this. It inspires me that God, for whatever reason, would trust me uh, with people that follow me in the capacity of leadership that I'm in. It inspires me. It stirs me. And I want to be a part of it. So what seems to be the problem? Because that is an awesome, powerful, forceful picture that is painted there. The problem is me. And the problem is you, of why we are not playing the role that God wants us to play in the kingdom forcefully advancing. See, for any powerful God initiated tidal wave or movement to take place, it can definitely start within us, but it can't stop with us. And unfortunately, what has happened is we receive. We get inspired, but we hold on. And the excitement and the ministry opportunities stay with us, and we own them on our own. And it's a major issue for us. And what ends up happening is that we end up becoming a barrier for God's purposes to be accomplished. And I think for all of us, at the end of our life, if we ever knew those moments were there, we would never let it happen. You see, I think there are three major points of tension in this pursuit to forcefully advance the kingdom. And here's the first one. We like, we like plastic trophies. <laughs> How many of you got a plastic trophy whenever you played soccer when you were in kindergarten? I mean, we enjoy, we enjoy trophies with our names on them. I mean, when I was growing up, I did everything I could to be the free throw champ. You know, at the camp, I do everything I could to get those trophies on the fireplace mantle. And we like plastic trophies, meaning we want to build and advance our own kingdom. And we find ourselves yearning for the plaque on the wall, regardless of the cost. And so instead of forcefully advancing the gospel, we're forcefully advancing ourselves. We love attention, we love applause. We love accolades. We want to be known more than we want Him to be known. And I think the question we have to ask in this, this point of struggle is whose kingdom do we really want to advance and to gain glory for? Our own? Our churches, Or God's? Another point of tension I feel is we like microwave popcorn. (laughs) And, uh, And I'll explain it like this, is that we seem as a society and even in the church culture, we like things to happen now. Instant gratification, instant results, instant success. We want immediate fruit to be seen for the investments and the time that we give. And in our quest for instant action... We miss it. Relationships aren't built. Values are not instilled. Inspiration is never seen. And seeing God in difficult and blurry times never happens. Spreading, advancing, multiplying. Guess what? It doesn't happen in two minutes and 30 seconds. We're a culture who loves instant everything. Another point of tension I think we all have to struggle with is not only is do we love do we want to advance our own kingdom, and not only is there a point of tension within us that we desire things now. The last thing I like to phrase is we like cheap toys made in China, and that's not a political statement uh, by any means. Uh, I'm not trying to boycott the Olympics or anything here, uh, but. Uh, <clears throat> What i mean by that is we prefer the mass production model of impacting lives. We we want impacting lives to be like how we make cookies. They're all the same and we can do a batch of about 30 to 50 in about 20 to 30 minutes. And for us to really advance the kingdom and spread the influence and the impact that God has given us, it does not happen in mass production like that. And if we look at the life of Jesus, it is very easy for us to see is that Jesus did not do it this way. I mean, why not Jesus? Go, man, go find a soccer stadium. (laughs) Go find a soccer stadium. Fill it up with 100,000 people. Get your 100,000 disciples and go change the world. Surely, if, if that was the way, He would have done it that way. But He understood that in a world that we live in the relationships are key investment is key and investment does not happen in the short run but the long run he did it differently Took 12 guys spent a lot of time with three really poured into one and i think we kind of look for this assembly line somewhere that that there's some uh, christian assembly line where we can put disciples together you know okay, if I can send them to that conference and maybe I can get like 30 spit out in like a year. Yeah. Because for us, honestly, it's time consuming. It's messy. It's disappointing. It's frustrating. It's annoying. And sometimes it may even be a little too sacrificial for us. I want to ask you a question. If you were to look at lives that you've deeply impacted and those that have deeply impacted you, it probably didn't happen through the television screen. It happened through a faithful, enduring relationship. I love what J. Oswald Sanders says. He says, leadership training cannot be done on a mass scale. It requires patient, careful instruction, and prayerful, personal guidance over a considerable time. I love this next line. Disciples are not manufactured wholesale. They are produced one by one because someone has taken the pains to discipline, to instruct and enlighten, to nurture and train one that is younger. And the harsh and and sucky reality, honestly, is that all these points of tension are wrapped in our own junk. Because whether whether we like plastic trophies or cheap toys made in China or microwave popcorn, guess, get this, this is the deal, is they are all wrapped up in our pride our selfishness, our insecurity, our defensiveness, our laziness, our fear of failure, our fear of someone being better than us, and a lack of belief in God's stories for others beyond ourself. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 18. and We're going to look at a guy that you're probably pretty familiar with and a passage you've probably read before. Exodus 18 verse 13. You yeah, guy by the name of Moses, and a pretty awesome encounter that happens here. And we're going to read this first portion, verses 13 through 18. It says, the next day, Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. They waited before him from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked, what are you really accomplishing here? It's a great question for us to ask this evening as well, you know. What are we really doing? He says, "Why are you trying to do all this alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening?" I want to pause real quick. <clears throat> as I can tell you that when Moses is hearing these words that for him in his mind and in his heart and where he's at, he is doing everything he thinks he should. To be advancing and pushing forward like God has told him to push forward. And I really believe in this passage as we go forward, you see some self-deception. that, And even some very spiritualized answers. Which, my goodness, man, let's all raise our hand. We're good at that. We're very good at spiritualizing excuses. And so you have him and it's kind of like this, wow, why are you, well, you know, I'm helping. Don't you see this? Let's go forward. It says this in, in verse 15. Moses replied, Because the people come to me to get a ruling from God. When a dispute arises, they come to me, and I am the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties. I inform the people of God's decrees and give them his instructions. And I love, I love what Jethro says. He says, This is not good. About as simple as you possibly can. This stinks. You're missing it. Moses' father-in-law exclaimed, you're going to wear yourself out and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Now listen to me and let me give you a word of advice and may God be with you. We'll stop there. What's interesting for us and our desires to be a part of an awesome God movement is like I said, I do not think that any of us lack that, to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, to forcefully advance the kingdom to places maybe that it's never been or places that no one wants to go. But the problem for many of us is is that we get to this place where we don't want to share that vision and that heart. We don't want to share responsibility. We don't want to share ministry. Because, man, I want to be the one who forcefully advances this. I want to be the one who teaches. I want to be the one who cares. I want to be the one who makes the call. And we see, we see Moses here. I, I can't imagine the internal struggle that was going on with him because it's like, man, I've got us out of exile. Leave me alone. I'm doing my best. What's interesting about this and, and the question that I asked you, and we're not gonna, I'm going to ask you this evening, we're not going to really go into it, but do you have a Jethro in your life to call you out and to speak truth into you? And to help you see things that maybe you don't see yourself. Can you identify any symptoms maybe in yourself? Or maybe from those around you that you're doing too much. And I think all of us come here this evening from a different place. So whether you're teaching children's church every Sunday morning or you're, you're leading a small group in a student ministry, or you're leading a ministry, or you're a pastor at a church. Wherever we come from, I think we all have to answer the question, do we try to hoard things for ourselves? Do we get some sort of satisfaction and validation for us being the person and not allowing others to have impact and influence as well? So how do we ignite the advancement of God's kingdom? This advancement that is multiplying, that is spreading, and that is shaping all those that it comes in contact with. We go forward in verse 19 through 27. And there's some very intentional things here that I think Jethro told Moses to do. And we're going to talk a little bit how they transferred us. He said, now listen to me and let me give you a word of advice and may God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representative before God. I love that. It kind of Affirms Moses, you're st- you're still all right, my man. Then he says this: <clears throat> bringing their disputes to him, teach them God's decrees, and give them His instructions. Show them how to conduct their lives. But select from all, from all the people, some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them as leaders over groups of one thousand, one hundred. One hundred, fifty and ten. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes, but have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. They will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. If you follow this advice and if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures and all these people will go home in peace. And can we look at verse 24? Because this is crucial. First two words there. Moses, listen. He listened. What if he didn't? What if he didn't listen? You know, the things that we see uh, in this passage, just some words that I think think are are pretty loaded and we're not going to go heavy into these words. But it's funny, the one word that kind of precedes the whole process is the word select, you know, is that is that he gives all these things that you should do. But he then right in the middle, he says select. And what is interesting is we see this in Jesus's life as well, is that he chose his disciples. And for some of us, this is a little uncomfortable to even like talk about this. But we see it in Moses's life. We see it in Jesus's life is that for us as leaders. We should be looking for those around us to bring with us. And whatever litmus test that that you can come into agreement with in your soul, you should select them. I mean, Jesus went out and he chose those to follow him. And I I don't care if you're 19 or you're 71 or whatever, is that there are always people around you that want someone to pour into their life. And you select them. You select them, you bring them with you. You know, in the scripture, it it talks about kind of the litmus test that he used. It says, those who are capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. We have to be intentional about inviting people into our lives for the purpose of passing on our values, our beliefs, our vision for God's kingdom. I think the question to ask you tonight is, has God placed those people in your life? Because they may already be in your life. But you're not really carrying this mantle of leadership seriously as you should. Another word it says is teach, <clears throat> teach and give, and and really, when I think of these words, I I think of imparting truth, and imparting spiritual truth, and speaking spiritual truth to people in your lives. Is once you have selected them, once once you have chosen them, and they they are they are following you and are open to your leadership and your guidance <clears throat> is to teach them God's ways. And whenever they go off of God's ways, you speak truth into their life. We also see the word show it just speaks to modeling it. And guess what? The only way that you can model anything is sharing life with a person. The last one is a Point. And it really, what's, interesting, what's awesome about this, Scott, is that what you helped us kind of figure out, like identifying our, our gifts and our potential and our abilities, identifying our passions, is we do that exact same thing for those that we have chosen into our ranks for us to lead and to guide. We appoint them. And whenever I hear the word appoint, it's kind of that release moment, you know, that commission moment. And what I love again is just how this transfers to the life of Jesus. Is all these words, all these things Jesus did. We saw him teaching to the masses, but we also saw him having some serious one-on-one moments with his disciples. We We see him with Peter. We see him taking Peter, James, and John to the Mount of Transfiguration. We see moments all the time where he was just teaching them and imparting spiritual truth to them. And then we see... I think it is Matthew 10 where he says, go. He says, go. And he points them and he commissions them and he releases them. And again, I ask you the question is, what would happen if Jesus held them tight and did everything himself and said, I'm going to try. I only have three years, but I'm going to do everything myself. And whenever, whenever I'm gone, just close the book and sit down and just wait for eternity. Nothing productive with someone you're pouring into. All of these things that Jethro tells Moses here are very intentional and they're also very relational. Listen, movements, revolutions, any kind of advancement of any kind is wrapped around the context of relationships. And, and honestly, I, I, even, I even look at us all here, you know, and just cool stuff is happening here. Guess what in the context of relationships? And for us, I want us to get this is that anything that we impart any kind of spreading or multiplication that's going to happen to advance God's kingdom again is going to happen on a relational basis you know i think um, think of a couple individuals in my own life uh that have that have had that impact on me, and um <clears throat> i'll try to I'll try to get through this without crying I, I've shared this kind of a couple times. It's came up in different leader meetings and stuff like that. And rarely can I do it, but we'll see if uh tonight will be the night. <clears throat> but the first guy is brother brother Leonard Pertle. Uh he's a pastor of Rejoice. And um just was always honestly always there for me. And uh from the very mundane things of uh me uh passing gas and him thinking it's totally hilarious and making <laughs> Yeah, it was it was weird. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> but honestly, it was those mundane things. It was grabbing a Coke. It was me being able to come up to his office and just sit there in his chair and just probably annoy him and pester him to death. But it was time after time after time that I spent time with him. He'd taken me to a church camp to go look at it. You know, all these different moments. And for me, I probably didn't even know that any of them were intentional. I was probably too naive for that. But knowing that He purposefully carved out time to pour into my life, that mattered to me. And I think the things that I learned from His compassion and His care are just transformational for me. And I'd like to say that I've applied them to my life fully, but I haven't. But Him being in my life was pivotal. Him being in my life was a domino effect, honestly. Because if He wasn't, no telling the gap that would have been left, that would have led me to maybe different decisions, different path, different calling, different place. And another, another person who really, when I when I think of this and model this is Casey's mom, Mrs. Carricker, Pam Carricker. <clears throat> and I, I can remember an instance, uh, and uh, it's fun, it's kind of funny and embarrassing that I'm sharing this. But I remember it was a lunar eclipse, okay? Freaked me out, I'm going to be honest. I mean, I think I was reading in like the book of Revelation or something at that time, you know? And then I see this lunar eclipse. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, end of the world. And I remember, I, remember I, was, like, I was like, Pam, I need, I need to talk to you. I mean, this is scary. I mean, I, think, I, don't, I don't know that I'm right. I remember having this long discussion about my relationship with God that this lunar eclipse brought about. I also remember moments because me and Casey were best friends, and I'd spend the night at Casey's, and and uh, probably because I at that point I wasn't a Diet Coke drinker, and that's all they had in the house. And uh, man, that was horrible. Uh, and uh, Diet Rite, I think it was. And and I remember you know drinking all that we drink all this pop, and and obviously it has to come out at some point. And I remember you know probably like five five thirty in the morning, I'd get up to use the restroom, and I'd walk across across the extra bedroom, and I'd see Miss Carica there praying. She would be praying for every kid in the ministry, every, kid, every, every morning. For me to watch that, and to be around that, changed my life. I think to be able to see these things lived out in people, and connected to me, ups the ante of my own decisions and my own leadership. Is that there is this ripple effect that we don't know and we don't get. That we can't make it to a how-to, an A, B, and C of, of reproducing leaders. It's very simple. It's intentional. And it's spending time with people And it's showing God in all situations, modeling in it, teaching in it. And then there comes that place where we release it. And can I tell you for both these individuals, Miss Carricker, Brother Purtle, there were moments and I don't know what got into them, but I remember a moment Brother Purtle let me preach. And I don't know why. Because, man, I don't know why. Because there, I mean, it was bad. It was real bad. You know? But he released it. And I remember he did that with a lot of guys. He released them into environments to preach, and Miss Character, we had these ministry teams, and we we did dramas and we did stuff that you know that we were horrible at probably, and we thought we were really good because we won plastic trophies and you know I mean, but I mean, but there was a release. You know, D.L. Moody said this. He said he would rather put a thousand men to work than do the work of a thousand men. And I really believe this is something we struggle with internally. As we intentionally pour into people, as we relationally pour into people, is there has to come a point in our journey as leaders, because God has entrusted people underneath us to lead, that we have to let go and release people into ministry. I know many of you know Ephesians four twelve, and It speaks about our responsibility and our responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. He's saying our job is to equip people to forcefully advance the gospel. I have a daughter, she's uh, two and a half and um, she's, she's funny. She's really funny right now. I don't I don't understand what goes on in their psyche, you know. I'm not like the brainiac dad who's reading books. I'm probably looked upon as a negligent dad who just kind of rolls with it, you know. And, uh, but she does this weird thing lately. Like, whenever I go in to wake her up, instead of being like, like Gizmo, and Grandma, sorry, you, don't, you didn't see the movie, sorry. Uh, uh, instead of like just being bright-eyed and excited, she like is just going nuts. I mean, she's mad. And those of you who have kids, I don't know if you've gone through that. I don't know what that is. But like she's kicking and she's like, mmm, mmm. And she's like, she does not. Like I try, usually I pick her up, like, come come to bed with daddy. And like now, she's like, she's mad. I mean, I, I mean, she's really, she's fully enraged as a two and a half year old can be when you walk in the room to see her. And it's so crazy. And and that is something I'm trying to get used to is figure out what in the world's going on. But another thing uh, beyond the weird waking up stuff is the whole sharing stuff. Um, It is obvious that we are selfish in nature and that it happens very early on uh, because my two-and-a-half-year-old, which I know is very normal for kids, but it still perplexes me, is that if she has something, let's say a French fry that I bought for her, or if she has a toy that she received as a gift, for some reason, when I try to get it, or I want to play, or I want a French fry, she squeezes it tighter, and you know, and she'll say, you know, she'll say words like, "No, mine, Dad, mine, Daddy." I'm like what? What is going on? I'll try to get the French fry. No, Daddy, mine. You know, and she holds on very, very tightly to a French fry and to a bouncy ball. And will not let me have it. And can I be honest with you? I, I think sometimes we're a lot like my daughter Camden. When it comes to opportunities and it comes to moments and it comes to ministry. is because we squeeze tight to things. We don't let go. We want to be in control. But the unfortunate thing is that there are two negatives and two positives that can happen in this moment. When we hang on, we're not sharing. When we hang on and we hold tightly like this, we're also not hearing. Can I tell you right now is that whenever my daughter is throwing the fit and gripping the French fry, she does not hear a word that I say. And I'm like, Camden, you're going to go to timeout. And you always hope as a parent that this is going to work and it never does. And you're like, seriously, you are going to go to timeout. And... Uh, Seriously, I, you know, I'm, yeah, you're going to go to time out. So, but she, she's too caught up in holding on to what she's holding on to, to listen to anything that I'm saying. And the negative is we don't share. And the negative is we don't hear. We don't share and empower others around us. And we don't hear from God. But the positive is this is that when we release and let go the ministry to people around us, we put others in a position to be used by God. We let them in on the awesome action of God. We let them in to forcefully advance the gospel. We release opportunities and projects and ideas and vision. We give moments of significance away, not robbing someone of a blessing. I think I, did I bring it up here it's on the table. 1994 World Series ball here, 1994, not exactly how much know how much it's worth. I know it's probably worth more than the boxes of cards that I have in my closet. Uh, Donruss, 94, in case you're wondering. Um, but we're going to do a little Q&A and see how wise you guys are on baseball knowledge. Because some of you, you're fans. You listen to Sports Talk every day. Um, who was in the 1994 World Series? Good guess. Who? Oakland. Good guess. No. Twins. Any other guesses? Dodgers, my team, I wish, but they weren't. <coughs> Atlanta, that's a good guess because they're, they're pretty solid, always. Toronto, no. Here's the thing. Here's what's crazy about the 1994 World Series. Is the 1994 World Series never happened. It was the year of the strike. And this is the ball that would have been played with. And things would have happened. Heroes would have been made. Home runs would have been swung. Gatorade would have been poured. Interviews would have been had. They never happened. Can I tell you, guys, this evening... is that when we release and we put others in a position to be used by God, we don't have any of these could-be moments. We allow the stories to be told, the memories to be had, the heroic moments to be celebrated, the unique gifts and abilities to shine, the uncharted territories to be explored, lives to be changed that would not otherwise if we would have held on. We put others in a position to be used by God. And for me, that alone right there makes me want to do my best to pour into and to release. Because I don't want to be the one that causes a strike and the moments not to be had. Another thing that happens, as I said, we share, but we also hear. We put ourselves in a position to gain vision from God when we release. I'm going to tell you something. There's something very interesting here. In Exodus Exodus 18, at the end of Exodus 18, and we go into Exodus 19, is that God reveals himself to Moses on Mount Sinai. God reveals himself to Moses on Mount Sinai. I want you to get this, okay? If you don't get anything else, get this. I truly believe, personally, that if Moses would have held on to all the responsibilities and all the duties... And honestly, in some situations, all the glory. And he did not release that. I'm not sure there would be a Mount Sinai moment. I'm not sure that he would have been in a place to even hear from God. And I'm sure many of you can relate to when your lives are so chaotic and they're so busy and you're doing so much and you're in charge of so much. Is that it is very difficult for you to get that fresh voice and that fresh vision from God. Tom Blackaby said this. He says, We cannot bring our congregations in the presence of God if we have not found our own way there first. We cannot show them someone else's road map. It must come from within. That is why God has placed us where He has to be transparent maps for our people so they can follow us into the presence of God, but we are not making the effort to regularly go beyond the veil into the holy of holies. We are stopping by the wayside at the tourist booth to purchase trinkets and postcards of what others saw when they were there, and then bringing them back to our churches to pass off as our own. We deliver secondhand visions, second-hand messages. Our people want so desperately to see the sparkle in the eyes of us, the glow on our face, those telltale signs that we have been with the Lord. They are no longer content with technique, presentation, or video-enhanced 3D sermons. They want a fresh word from the Lord, the words of life, the living water, the moving of the Spirit from their shepherd. Can I tell you something, guys? As leaders, God has entrusted people around us for us to give them vision. And again, it does not matter if whatever our role is, whether it, if it is a small group, my role is to give vision to that small group. My role is to give a fresh word from God to those guys that are in my small group. But if I hold on And I'm in charge of all these different things. Guess what? I am too busy to go to Mount Sinai and to hear from God. I believe, honestly, we owe it to this forceful advancement of the gospel. We owe it to the movement that we all want to be a part of. To release things and to go to the mount and to spend some serious time listening and desiring and hungering for God. What is interesting to me is as the chapters follow, the Moses also he gets the Ten Commandments and he delivers them to his people in Exodus chapter twenty. A big milestone event, I think we'd all say. They even made a movie about it. Charleston Heston, R.I.P. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> really, I don't, I don't know how to transition there, guys. Sorry, he died last week. Uh, he's eighty-four. Um, Uh, But what we see is all these things start happening. Ripple, ripple, ripple. Starts turning into a little wave. Starts turning into a big tidal wave. And we see things like that. And we see Moses taking the people and the children of Israel to the promised land. All of these are major defining Moments in the story of God that may have never, ever happened if Moses did not listen to Jethro and release the duties and empower his people to do the work of the ministry. And guys, can I tell you something? We are horribly missing it. If we try to hold on to everything, whether it's because we like plastic trophies or microwave popcorn, or you know, cheap toys made in China, whatever the reasoning and the internal struggle that's within us, we need to get to a place where we release, we allow others to shine, we allow others to be the hero, we allow others to use their gifts and ability for God's glory. And can I tell you, when we get to that place where we are fine with it, and we get to that place where we are getting fresh vision, fresh manna from God, guess what, man? We will be forcefully going into territories that Satan does not want us to go into. We will be touching lives at a rapid, multiplying, spreading rate that Satan hates to see. And the one thing that I really believe for all of us is that God has a bigger story and a bigger role and a bigger splash than any of us really even know or imagine. And what sucks about it is we're the very ones that are keeping ourselves from it. And so my prayer tonight is that we could be like Moses and we could have a moment tonight where we evaluate our lives and say, yeah, I'm trying to build my own kingdom over God's. Or yeah, my insecurity and my pride, it's destroying what God wants to do in me. We evaluate our lives tonight and we're like, man, there are people around me that I should be investing in and I'm not. There are people around me that can do things better than me and I should give something to them. And what excites me is a group of people, 30 so, if we begin to live that and trust that, the kingdom will forcefully advance. And the multiplication will happen. What a story and what a stinking ride we will all have at the end of our lives. No regrets. No regrets. That's what I want to be a part of. And that's what I hope you want to be a part of as well. I'm going to pray for us. And uh, Aaron's going to come up and he's going to sing a song for us. And I just want you to listen to the words. Because honestly, I think this song is so central to us being what we should be to just shake things up for the kingdom of Christ. Let me pray for us, and then Aaron's going to sing. Dear God, I just pray, Lord, that uh, You would start with me. Because I know, Lord, that I wish I was beyond this talk, God. But I want to hold on and grasp things so tightly that I am interfering with Your work. And God, I just pray that You would convict me and You would burden me, Lord, when I'm doing that. God, help me to know when to lead, Lord, and when to release. God, I I just pray, Lord, that You be with all of us in this room, God, because I really believe that there's some awesome visions and some awesome dreams that are taking place this weekend, that there's some awesome conversations that are happening that are going to shape the ministries and the churches that we'll go back to. And God, because of that, I pray that Your glory would fall down and You would let us and push us to our knees in humility the place that we should be. knowing that none of this will happen unless it's you. We need to hear from you, Lord, tonight. God, we ask you into this night, and I just pray that whatever happens, happens. It's your thing. Just help us genuinely and honestly come before you. In Jesus' name.